Hey everyone, it's Keith Miller. Welcome back. It's been a while since I've recorded a new episode of The Soul of Life, and I'm excited to be kicking it off today with season five, first episode. I'm talking to a woman named Maria Hernandez, and Maria is important to me because she is was one of the participants in the ketamine-assisted therapy programs that I offer for therapists to come and have an experience and work through some of their own personal issues that they're experiencing, but with the uh, added benefit of using ketamine. Um, I started a ketamine clinic called Calliope Health about a year ago, and that was on the heels of my own personal experience prior to that, a couple years prior to that, um, going through a depression that was more than I could handle and something I needed, uh, especially because of our work as professionals in the healing professions, um, you know, it was not disabling in the sense that I couldn't function my, you know, my normal life, but to be at the high level of attunement to others and care and being able to give compassion to others, um, I couldn't afford, literally, I couldn't afford to be disabled emotionally and uh, still continue doing the work that was critical for my livelihood. So I researched the hell out of ketamine for someone who has um, comes out of a religious background, kind of a, um, you know, dare to keep kids off drugs, 80s kid, war on drugs, um, all drugs are bad, sort of was imprinted in my head, never smoked a cigarette. And here I am considering using ketamine as a treatment for my depression. Fast forward, after those treatments, I had pretty major breakthroughs in some parts of my life that were really stuck. And you'll hear me talk about my marriage in this episode with Maria and um, started the clinic. So the reason I'm talking to Maria is because she also had very profound experiences with loss in her life and found healing through her ketamine experiences. Maria lost her son, Andrew, to suicide a few years ago. I was a little worried the impact of how she experienced the loss of her son. I want to bring to light and really use the the show to bring people in who've had personal experiences and help illustrate because it's really hard to understand if you had not gone if you've not gone through it and even if you've gone through psychedelic experiences in therapy how to make sense and how to integrate them. We really need um, resources. We need to hear each each other processing and then reflecting back and be challenged and held accountable to how are we using this tool, um, this medicine. So I, that's at our clinic, we're committed to integration as being an essential part of ketamine treatment. So I hope you enjoy and get a lot from what Maria shared in this very vulnerable, intimate kind of view of, of how her experience was with ketamine. Thanks for listening. There was no definition of the mind that anybody had. I'm Keith Miller. That's really weird. Can we swear on this? Something you hear at a swing party. <laughs> Something that sounds that's... fun. We don't treat trauma. We treat the imprint of traumatic experience. I stood on top of the Olympic podium, very incomplete, not happy, and never ever thinking that I was good enough. Donald watched the older brother be destroyed that way. 
So he had to exile all the sensitive parts of him. Free soloing is climbing without ropes. Alex was born for climbing. Cannabis use disorder is real. There's no question about it. The, the broccoli growers of America are livid every time that they listen to this part of your podcast. What happens before sex? What happens during sex? What happens after sex? Compassion is contagious. We've got to have cake. Oh my God, I totally am bisexual and that's where I gotta be. He's incredibly successful by just talking shit about people's fried rice. This is the soul of life. We can sort of illustrate for people what this is like, what it's not like, what, who is it for, who is it not for, why you ended up doing this in our program, why you did the ketamine retreat with us. A little bit of backstory. Um, I started uh, traveling a lot. We're driving cross country and I'm on an IFS kick, internal family systems. I hear one of Dick's uh, interviews where he mentions this guy, Keith Miller, <laughs> in Maryland or somewhere on the East Coast, and how great you are and how, you know, um, you are doing these ketamine retreats. And I think he said specifically for professionals and how the ketamine journey can often be very similar to, you know, the, the IFS experience. That's something I want to dive into. Maybe we'll, we'll pin that and come back to how using, how the effects of ketamine, the dissociative effects of ketamine mimic or are parallel to the hypnotic inductions that, that often happen in IFS facilitation, not always, but for people who are ready to do it. Uh, we let's come back to that. So I'm listening to him, and he's like, he's got these retreats, and it's for professionals, and it's IFS based. So of course I'm on this IFS. I, I'm soaking it all in, and I'm about to start my. This was, oh no, actually I was in the middle of my uh, training with Stepping Stones, which is the IFS organization in Canada. Yeah. So you you dove in and uh, you had you had a good experience. So I want to hear a little bit about that. But just to give our listeners a, a sense of what we do offer in this retreat for professionals, it is a unique thing. We have had people come from across the country, and after a few months of offering this, I started wondering why, you know, because people would say, "Aren't there? I wonder where I where else I could do this?" And there's ketamine clinics in every city, right? And so, um, but what there aren't, what there is not, is people who have an IFS focus, which I do. I've been doing IFS for 15 years. And uh, also the training uniquely for professionals in a one-day experience. Many of the experiences are two or three days. You might get more than one dose. So it's a little bit more lightweight one day. You get the experience of the medicine and then we in the morning, and then we have about three or four hours to process as a group, which is incredibly powerful. I think you'll uh, speak to that a little bit. The effect of doing a ketamine experience or any psychedelic experience in a group and getting to w listen to the different angles people had, the different material that came up for them, and then just have that openness and acceptance that everybody has for each other when they're in those states. Um, it's a really loving and lovely environment. Whenever you mention, I don't know if you get this response, but whenever you mention ketamine or psychedelic assisted to anybody, but I was surprised even with therapists, I got a little bit of like, oh. There's still a bit of pushback and you know, some stigma and skepticism, which I, I want to just go out and say is healthy and I welcome. I, I'm, I'm always a bit dubious of someone who says, 
here's there's there's no drawbacks, no side effects, no problems with a medicine. Um, and psychedelics are so powerful that they have so much we, we're learning, but there's so much we don't know also. So I, I think it's just helpful to say, well, there's a lot we don't know. We need to know more, but we know enough to say it is safe when done under the care of a therapist or in concert with therapy in psychiatry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And absolutely, the, the reason they have come up, I had a client in particular at the time that just, I mean, he had tried therapy, he had I mean, just, you know, kind of chronic lifelong depression. And to be honest, I felt very overwhelmed and unable to to meet his needs. And even his psychiatrist and myself, we were recommending inpatient um, treatment, outpatient, intensive, all of it. He just was no, no, no. And really, I started searching EMDR, alternative modalities, as a way to, you know, help clients like him train myself, learn, even refer him over, whatever it is. But anyways, I brought it up. I think I mentioned it to my group, my peer consultation group, and we ended up um, talking a little bit about it. And then one of my colleagues sent us a um, an article, or it might have been a video, of a doctor who had just moved from the East Coast, I think, Dr. Remy Droist, Droist, I think is his last name, who had just opened up a ketamine clinic in Santa Barbara. And um, she she just sort of uh, shared her own personal experiences, not hers, but someone she knew that had gone to the clinic and she was astounded. We were astounded. I reached out to Dr. Remy. We had a good hour long conversation um about he shared a lot of information you know asked him a lot of questions how does it work what does it cost you know and and to me as a therapist at that point i did want to i did mention it to a couple of my clients but i still had no idea like what actually happens right what actually happens it's kind of like scary even for me as a therapist not knowing um so when i heard dick mention you and 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 particularly, I, I will say that if you had not been IFS focused, I don't know if I would have, you know, done this retreat with you, but um, just solely for the ketamine. But I got to tell you, I'm so glad I did. I, I'm so glad you did, too. Thank you for saying that. I, and, and I want to maybe I can speak to the, the IFS overlap a little bit and, and why I think uh, people like Dick and others in the IFS community have embraced ketamine specifically, but... Um, that's the one medicine that I've heard him, psychedelic medicine I've heard him speak about most because there's a sense of, so ketamine's a dissociative anesthetic. It's technically not a psychedelic medicine, even though this, one of the side effects is hallucinations. So for all intents and purposes, it's a psychedelic. You have a trip, you have an altered state of consciousness. You, you have less access to your prefrontal cortex quite a bit or none, um, and so you have exper- sensory perceptual experiences that are altered, especially sound particularly becomes very interesting and very different. Um, for example, when I, I remember when I did my first ketamine infusion, the music, which is very important to help evoke some emotions and to help also with your sense of kind of feeling like everything's okay, the music I had, 
I had the sense that it was coming out of my ears, that I was like producing it from my ears and, and, and broadcasting it out of my ears. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, but the, the dissociative quality, so IFS, Internal Family Systems, has a procedure, a set of steps, the systems part of it, um, of inviting people to imagine and look at parts of themselves and interact with them as though they're real beings or like real people. So, so just like acting, if we were doing a stage play, what do you call it when, it, when you go into character? Well, you're, you know, in psychology, we would say it's analogous to dissociating. You are, you're breaking the associate. You're not yourself anymore. You are the character that you're playing. So in IFS, we develop all the characters that are within us. The part of me that manages and likes to control things and gets really anxious about losing control. That's one character. That's one part. Another part of me might be the part that just hates rules and likes to do whatever I want, doesn't like to uh, worry about anything, doesn't, and likes to let go of control. And so we interview or get to know each of those parts in IFS. And as you develop a relationship to each of these parts, they relax, they tend to allow you, right? There's an observing you that's interacting with the parts. That's what IFS calls self. Um, it's like in, in mindfulness, it might be called big mind um, or meta-awareness. That big uppercase S self um, is kind of, it has the qualities of calmness, compassion, curiosity, clarity, and there's just no anxiety. There's no, there's, it's not that there's not a drive or, or energy. It's lots of energy often in self. But the energy just goes where it needs to go. It's complete flow. It's a complete flow state. There, there's no nothing's wrong. Noth, nothing's right either. It's it's neither right nor wrong. So it's a very spiritual um, or sp spiritual like state. Ketamine after you get an injection. Within about six seconds, you're in the most expansive state of self you've ever been in in your life. You have you're no longer blended with. Um, noise from thoughts that are nagging you about what you need to be doing or self-consciousness, self-awareness. You have self-awareness, but there's no anxiety. And so the clarity comes into focus. You can look at uh, aspects of yourself, emotional parts of you that are too painful or overwhelming to look at. And this is what IFS helps to do. We help prevent flooding by um, you know, working with parts that are afraid. We work with fear and shame. We get fear and shame to step out of the room. And once we sit down with the pain, without fear and shame, looking over our shoulder, the ex the encounter with pain is completely different. Pain is not exactly just pain. It's actually a vibrant character within you that will come to life and will it needs attention in very specific ways if you actually care for it like that. Ketamine allows you to go right to what we what I find as a therapist doing doing ketamine assisted therapies, we can go right to some of those what 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 IFS calls exiles, those parts that are in pain that have been put away. We can kind of go right to them after a ketamine session when somebody's under the influence in the two or three hours after an injection. We can go right to it or they they often spontaneously and this is what I what comes up when I'm 
teaching or talking to other therapists and training them about how to, what do we, what do we do as therapists, you know, in a session, you're holding space. What you're doing is just being in yourself and making sure your anxious parts, your controlling parts as a therapist, your people pleasing parts, um, just step back and you just, just, just be there and do what needs to happen. Say what needs to be said. Um, but follow their lead because often the, the the experience is leading them to something. If we ask them to look for it, it's actually very novel, and it's some encounter with some aspect of themselves. Often, some pain that's unique, novel, really interesting. And I can give some examples. But does that match up with your experience, Maria? It was interesting because I had no idea what to expect. No, none. Um, and I I wanted to say that. Although I did, it was because I, I was, you know, in the, in the midst of learning as much as I could about IFS. I now just, you know, kind of for the record, you don't have to care for IFS or even know what it is. I would right. highly suggest any professional that wants to um, experience ketamine, you know, personally to see what their clients might be experiencing um, to go for it. So I just wanted to say that. So I was a little nervous. Actually, I was not nervous. I was excited. I was really excited. You have a pre, pre-retreat pre uh, meeting. And and had you done any, any other sort of psychedelics before this? Was this your first experience? With- yeah. No, I had. Well, not in the therapeutic Sure. <laughs> um, so yes, I, in my uh, high school years and my, uh, it's funny, I did a, all of my partying uh, in high school, didn't do any of it in college. I did it all in high school, and I had some bad trips and some really good trips. And in fact, one uh, mushroom trip, a journey, um, went bad, but it actually was uh, it, it was a blessing in disguise. But it actually was. Now that I realize, it was actually a very transcendent and spiritual journey that uh, sort of changed the trajectory of my life. Um, So I had, um, and so I thought, well, okay, well, I don't know what this ketamine is going to be like, but it had literally been, I mean, I'm, so my last, uh, when I experimented with uh, drugs recreationally in high school, I must have been 16, 17, um, and I'm now, you know, 51. So it was a while ago. Sure, sure. I didn't so you didn't know what to expect. You really didn't know what to expect, and that's the case with a lot of people. So, how did you hand, how did you handle that? I know we did the introduction. We 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 kind of talked through concerns and fears and what it what it may be like for some people. And we should talk about that a bit. But how did you handle that? Uh, well, I didn't know what to expect, but I um, just felt very just you know you you just prepare people well. Totally. Yeah. That it's just, yeah. And, 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 you know, we don't encourage people using ketamine to escape from anything. And that's the difference when people are using it recreationally. And I have actually been in clinics, ketamine clinics. I'm not going to name them, but where they have TVs and cable television in the infusion room. Why does that bother me Uh, at many levels? And I wouldn't say it's inappropriate for everyone because in, if, if in some cases, for some people, we might they may it might be clinically indicated that they should be a bit distracted instead of tuning into 
all of the emotional experience. So maybe until they get a few ketamine sessions under their belt, they watch some TV. Most people recreationally use some ketamine and then go out into a club interacting socially. They're not really paying attention to their inner experience at all. And so the blossoming and the blooming um, that unfolds in your mind's, you know, like Rubik's Cube as you move it, move through these rooms in your mind gets sometimes lost on recreational use. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so different. You know, that that sort of his non-therapist layman interpretation of what I was doing. So I explained to him, no, actually, it's with a professional and it's for professionals. And for me, that was very important. Um, I mean, I probably would have done it otherwise, but but knowing that you were tailoring it, particularly with the IFS component, it was great. So, you know, I enter your office, which you have this uh, a suite, and uh, I see the mats on the floor, and I knew it was going to be a small group. So there was a little bit of like, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> there was just a little bit of that, right? And I don't know anybody. Uh, but you right, know, there's, a, there's a little uh, social anxiety, right? Because it's a group. A little you bit, know. yes. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. And I, fortunately for me, I, I, I um, you know, I, I make friends pretty easily. I put myself, I'm pretty adventurous and kind of out there and put myself in, in a lot of situations where I feel pretty comfortable or easy, you know, early on. But yes, there was a little bit of just that, like, oh, especially if I'm thinking, okay, I don't know what's going to come forth after this because I don't know what's going to happen. As a as the provider facilitator, I also in the beginning had anxiety about what kind of responses people would have and how disruptive someone's response might be to someone else. Right. And that's one of the common yeah. fears that people vocalize in the group before we start. What if I do something that's embarrassing? What if I make noises? And we just try to normalize that and say, well, everyone's probably going to make some noises. and <laughs> You probably won't remember it, but there's some people might yeah. be crying. You might hear them. Every time we've done this group, I'm always amazed at how homogenous the experiences more or less become. There are really vastly different experiences. Some people kind of feel like nothing really happened. Some people have a very deep experience. I was very comfortable. You made us feel very comfortable in preparation. And you did a, um, you did a, like a meditation, I think, um, or several. There, there was a lot that you did to, to help everyone, including myself, feel comfortable. Um, you answered my questions. Um, I think my concern is, because I have a small bladder, my concern is like, what if I have to pee? Yeah. <laughs> then you get up and pee. I mean, it will help you to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Someone... <laughs> Absolutely. And also the other feeling, I think that maybe people um, just sort of help them prepare for is that you're, you're just, your whole body shuts down. Like I literally felt like I couldn't swallow, like my jaw just, and so that was, well, and, and I, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the subjective experience. And that's an important point to, to make here that your body actually, the, the reason ketamine is a world health organization, essential medicine and in, in ambulances and hospitals everywhere and used on infants and fragile uh, elderly patients is because it actually stimulates the cardiovascular system and the respiratory system. So it st- it stabilizes and stimulates the core life functions 
while it sedates you and you have no sense of you you have the sense that you can't control your body but your autonomic system is actually stimulated and intact uh, it's a little bit sti- stimulated and but your sense of it is it's gone <laughs> you don't have a sense of it anymore it was, this is like i'm talking like two seconds maybe right and it was just like i can't move i'm just completely and then you just go off into the journey and it's literally a few seconds so it's it's yeah. not very it's not uncomfortable as you pass over that edge of like okay i don't have a body anymore there's a little bit of an anxiety going over that first roller coaster dip like uh we were told this might happen and probably will happen here it goes you go over it and then it's like a mental imaginative trip would you say absolutely so my first journey is the one that stands out the most so i've done it three times I've done ketamine three times. Um, and the first one is the one that stands out the most. And so uh, it was very sci-fi. It, I'm just traveling through these, like, I call them portals, but, at, but three months ago, I didn't perceive them as portals. But I'm just kind of, like, traveling through these tunnels in sort of like a, like a train, but I know it's not a train because it's very sci-fi, futuristic. And I'm, it's a very solitary journey for me, very solitary and no colors. For me, it was very like a dark, dark, black, uh, gray. There's a little bit of color, but not like I, there was no reds or greens or yellows or anything like that. And I'm the, the the image that stands out the most is I'm flying around in a space mobile. I know it's a space mobile, and I know it's me. Of course. <laughs> and it's this like, uh, it's like a building, but it looks more sort of like pyramidy. I don't know. It looks like a pyramid, but it's a building. So it's it, and I'm on the outside, and I'm looking. I'm looking, I'm flying around it and also have the perception that earth in the world is there and I'm there, but I'm here, right? I'm out yeah, and I know that I'm here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the outside, what do they call that? The, the, uh, the perspective of, uh, of, of being aware of being part of earth and that life. And then also the knowing that that's just, that's just that. Not a game, but that's just life. And this is me. And this is where I am now. This is, this is it. And I remember having that thought, oh, wow. Do they know? Do they know what I now know? It's so, and, and so. This is, this is huge, actually. I wanted to circle back and circle this for for a moment. Underline that you you had a sense. It it, it wasn't a sense, actually. It was more of a uh, truth. Knowing, yeah. It was a knowing that actually our your existence, our existence on this earth, is is actually really not the whole show. Right. Yes. So yes, huge. it was I, I, like my head's tingling, of course, as I as I recount that. I, because of the depth of some of the losses I've experienced um, recently, my marriage uh, mm. being the being the biggest, um, 
which ketamine actually helped provide. You you mentioned a a kind of a higher level. You you achieved a higher level of knowing. And so, uh, I haven't said this publicly before, but you know, so I married twenty three years, and I'm a marriage therapist. And for for twenty of those twenty three years, I've been a marriage therapist, helping other people hang on to their marriages and without really acknowledging it, looking down my nose at people who got divorces. Mm. Never wanting to acknowledge that, like, you know, that sense of uh, schadenfreude, right? Like of, you know, I'm doing something better. And then something in my system was saying, no, actually something's not right. And you're ignoring it. You're ignoring it. You're ignoring it. And uh, my body became... I lost the contents of my mind. And what I mean by that is like my mental function, you know, some people describe depression as like you can't get out of bed and you just don't want to do anything. That was always for me a side effect, the very last thing that would happen in the chain. The very beginning of the chain is I wake up and it's like the contents of your purse. You know where every, you know you've got everything you need in there. Not my purse, maybe your purse, but um, the contents of a purse and but it's scattered in a swimming pool and so everything like i know i have friends i know i have a great job i know i'm successful i know i have um my health but it's like it's way over there and it's under 10 feet of water and uh, uh, i'm just gonna and so it just took so much work to hold myself together um that's where ketamine came in a couple years of into my treatment, uh, which I wanted to accelerate, frankly. And one of the revelations was that I could begin to tell more of the truth about what I needed in my marriage or what I needed in an intimate relationship that that wasn't possible in the existing one. So uh, it, it helped me open that up. And I think I want to ask you about this because the follow-up with Ketamine therapy is so important. It it can open up doors and excavate things. And all of a sudden, you, you at a certain point, you're not going to have the use of ketamine. Our goal is to get people to, to get as much ketamine as they need to get to the level that they need to of functioning and then help them achieve that behaviorally without the ketamine over time. That's our goal in our clinic. Um, so at a certain point, you won't have the ketamine, but then you'll look around and say, shit, where did all this all this 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 dirt and ex- like where did all this all these this material come from? Well, it's because you you mined it, right? It's it's so. What do I do with it now? How do I how do I now integrate the decisions that help, that I was able to make because of that level of functioning? How do I integrate that with the rest of my life? So, uh, yeah. more psychedelics, <laughs> more therapy. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for sharing that and. Um having spent 24 years married and three years, 27 total before uh, I got divorced, I totally understand and um, that struggle, right? Um, for me, I had a very a similar experience. Um, I think I mentioned to you, my ex-husband and I, we had adopted our three oldest and my the youngest of those three took his life in 2018. Oh. And I was a therapist and counselor, yeah. working, social worker yeah. for many years, working with teens. And 
so that <laughs> that that I can't you imagine. Know. Yeah. Well, yes, thank you. Um, but it was a similar feeling like what am I doing? You know, like well, I don't know if it was a similar feeling for you, but my my feeling was, what am I doing here? Like if I couldn't even help my own son, if I couldn't even recognize that he was hurting, we were blindsided. Um, a whole community was blindsided. And interestingly enough, I think I also told you that the reason I uh, I got into my personal mission of learning the modalities that would help clients heal and transform was a personal commitment to him as well. And so I mentioned, I was like, I feel like I've been guided to you and to, to this experience of ketamine because I agree with you. I think um, I'm, I'm going to pursue, I mentioned to you, I'm pursuing making it official that I'm getting ketamine and psychedelic assisted training because I think this is, this is, um, this is it for me in terms of what I see is the, the, the quickest, I want to say quickest, um, but nothing's quick and we know that, but perhaps the, the, the quickest way to help people find some healing and some transformation and that it's, that it's genuine, you know, that it, it lasts longer than the week or the six, you know, I haven't seen you in six months. My clients will come back. Oh, my anxiety's back. <laughs> yeah. You know? And just, I want, I want to footnote and caveat this as, as, a, as a provider at, at our clinic. For some, some people have those results. And it's not out of 10 people, everyone that has the long-lasting sort of hallmark effect. Um, you know, there's maybe three or four out of 10 who are just like, if they're not getting regularly exposed to ketamine, they don't get the results. And so they, you know, mm -hmm. the 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 uh common practice is to say well if the, if the depression is severe enough let's still offer the ketamine as long as you need it um yeah without building a tolerance or an addiction can i ask you about the son that you lost yes mm -hmm. what is andrew. his name andrew andrew yeah mm -hmm. that's my middle name um true. were you concerned because um some therapists will will say to me keith i have a case you know i have a person I'd like them to do ketamine treatment with you, but this person has extreme trauma. You know, they've experienced lots of loss, and the therapist is expressing their fear that they're going to be flooded, too flooded, to do any meaningful work in therapy, and then could get overwhelmed or be, you know, come, become suicidal. I've had parents of patients call me and say, "Is this going to make my daughter hurt herself?" You know, we don't know the answer. If somebody, we don't know, right? It's, it's not a miracle cure. But were you concerned? I could certainly answer this myself, but I want to hear from you. Were you concerned that because of the loss you experienced with Andrew's suicide, that that would somehow get put into a place that would be less stable for you and you'd, you'd leave that experience, you know, in pieces or something? I always feel that I don't know if I would have had the same journey if it had been my biological son. I have one, we have one biological son. I don't know, but without a shadow of a doubt, my son Andrew came through. Mm -hmm. And in fact, he said, um, 
you have to do this. We started a nonprofit in his honor. The first four years, I mean, hundreds of his peers would come out. And mm. our dedication had always been to sharing about what had happened and being open about it as a way to help others. One of my visions is to have all therapists from the time we, we get our license, from the time we're working with people, that we have these modalities under our belt. Whether the schools are providing them or whether, I don't know, through the nonprofit, some nonprofits finding a grant to help therapists, new therapists learn these modalities because they're so expensive and you literally have to have pretty good financial resources to actually take them. And that, but I could see how some people might be concerned that they'd get overwhelmed by, by things they haven't looked at, maybe, you know, trauma or so. I don't know if that actually comes up um, for, I mean, imagine it comes up for clients, but I don't know if it's come up with the professionals that you work with. For some, it has. I mean, the more you do ketamine therapy, the more, the more you experience and are exposed to ketamine uh, as a patient, the, the more themes you're often able to pull out of your, your system of parts within you um i mean i i had i've had one one of our two of our earliest um patients actually had encounters in the first ketamine session they said you know they were they told, they told us there's some abuse in childhood and they had an encounter with different accounts but the person had an encounter with the abuser and it wasn't filled with fear and terror and shame and loathing or hatred. It was just a pure encounter as an, one being to another. And nothing was papered over. Nothing was forgotten. It wasn't, it wasn't um, erasing any of what happened. But there was no need to see that person through hatred and fear anymore. In the first ketamine session... Wow. They they they, were, yes. they couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and, I know. You know. For for other people, it takes seven or eight sessions before the, mm. the main target of their symptoms begins to budge. But it will budge. Um, that's my my belief and experience. Like a phobia, someone I'll say, uh, just to change things up, he was afraid of flying. Um, you know, kept coming in saying, well, when is this going to, I haven't noticed anything. I'm still like perseverating over this fear and I still can't do anything, you know, related to flying. And, um, is this really working? And then I said, just keep going, keep going. You could notice the anxiety was better and better, less and less. And then eventually he started to get interested in like doing the things that would lead to getting on a plane. Like he started to get interested in booking travel. That would have been terrifying. He started to get interested in like going to an airport. And then all of a sudden, he's like, okay, I'm going to go with someone. And then he's going, no problem. So that was 12 weeks. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You know, phobias like that can take years to overcome. Absolutely. Well, that's why I was I wanted to be careful and say quickest. And then people think, oh, it's going to happen right away. No, not at all. But I, I agree with you. So, you know, I, I've, I've, I've had my son guiding me. And I think being on the East Coast and then meeting you and and so many things that have opened up, my IFS training, there's a three-year wait list. I somehow circumvented that three. 
I mean, he's just been guiding me. And I and I said, okay, well, I'm not gonna. I can't do this alone, and I need your guidance. Yeah. And um, he has not. He I, and I talk about spirit being spiritual. This um, his death, uh, his suicide, really opened up so much more on a whole different level for me. But that has always been my hope is that these sort of techniques, whether psychedelic assisted therapy, IFS, EMDR, maybe it's a combination of, you know, it's not going to work. Like you said, three or four people, maybe they're not, but whatever, whatever we know is the best and, and, and evidence-based and it's working and, 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 and that we just make it more accessible to my whole thing is to lay people, right? Yeah. Shouldn't have to just be. And I know that hopefully we're headed there. What would I have thought when my son, let's just say my son had said, hey, mom, having a hard time. Um, I want to see a therapist, which he didn't. He gave us no warning that he was struggling so much inside. Um, and of course, my kids have been in therapy and I have signed up for therapy. I would be sure. And let's say that therapist, after three months of two months of working with my son, five years ago would have said to me, or to him, hey, there's this ketamine, you know, ketamine um, treatment and it's a psychedelic or it's a psychedelic type medicine. And I really think you should do it. I often wonder if I would have been like, yeah, crazy therapist. <laughs> Moving on. I know. I know. <laughs> let's find well, you another one. It, it 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 it's a good point because I don't I can't imagine that I would have ever had this sort of conversion experience either, had I not experienced some suffering myself personally, that I couldn't handle, and um, I, I like to explore new things and new modalities, and I did the research like crazy and was only going to trust this if it was legitimate, and it matched up. So that's. I think we share that 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 similarity, and also we share the the sort of nascent spirituality that, even though we can't, we left the church, so to speak, um, in our psychedelic experiences. And this has been true with other with mushrooms or MDMA. I've just had a sense of presence, which I, I would normally just call God. I, I'm not sure. That saying the word God, it, it evokes so many different things for people, but it's a presence or a spirit that is far beyond what I can comprehend, and it's taking care of everything, <laughs> and uh, and everything is in the right place. And I've also had an encounter with a relative who passed away. When I was only three years old, my grandfather passed away from cancer, and after the ketamine treatments. Um, one day I was meditating out on the deck and, and wow, I, I fell asleep for, for a few moments and in the dream, it was so vivid. He was right there. He said, actually, I'm not really far away. And he was saying, it's okay. Everything's okay here. It, this It's really, everything's fine here. Um, and he said to me, specifically to me, and this, this has a like legacy issue in our family because of some of the issues that were going on in the family, his family. Um, this was very important. He said, anger is, you can trust it. Ang anger, you don't have to be afraid of anger. Um, so that's really important for me um, as a message that I took with me. Yeah. 
And I like that um, you create the space where people can share as much or as little as they want. I'm glad yeah. that you could be here with me today, Maria. I appreciate your, <laughs> your journey and your willingness to come on here. And I'm glad we got to meet.